1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards, all stewards, that a man be found faithful. I'd like to speak to you tonight on the subject, dependability. God bless you for being in church tonight. Dependability is another word for faithfulness. And in the culture of Atlanta West Pentecostal Church, all the way back to many years ago, especially in a series that I taught on keys to success in life, dependability was one of those keys to success in life. I plan to cover this topic in two messages tonight and next Wednesday, Lord willing. And I want to try to drill deep into this topic because I believe it is fundamental to a strong life and a strong church. I know you're aware that in August we talked about the faithfulness of God. And in September we're talking about our faithfulness to God. On Wednesday, last Wednesday, I spoke on faithful to God and I spoke about Tychicus, this man that I mispronounced his name a few times, but it's Tychicus. And I spent some time talking about modern day heroes, faithful people. This past Sunday, September 9th, I preached on called, chosen, faithful from Revelation 17, 14. Those that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Faithfulness is an attribute of God that we understand thoroughly that God is ever faithful. And we become like Him as we become more consistent in our walk with Him in the way we conduct ourselves in life. The Apostle Peter wrote to his flock in 1 Peter 5 and 10, But the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. I see these words, I, I love this verse of Scripture, that after you go through a few things, the Lord can help make you perfect or perfect you in your walk with God. And then these three words in the King James, establish, strengthen, settle you. There are core principles upon which a strong, solid Christian life is built. High on God's list is faithfulness. It is required in servants or stewards that a man or woman be found faithful. Regardless of how well we do on a given day, or how much we pray in a single day, how holy we live on a given day, how much we give for a day. It is being steady over time that matters most. You can become unfaithful in a single sinful act, but you cannot become faithful in a single righteous act. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 18, the prophet spoke about a righteous man that would turn away from his righteousness after living for God for many, many years. And Ezekiel, the Lord through him said that all of his righteousness that he has done will not be mentioned. 
You can wipe out an entire life of faithfulness in a single sinful act. But you can build on failure and become faithful again. I was thinking about John Mark. It's not a part of my notes, but John Mark was an unfaithful man. He turned and walked away from a missionary journey. But later in his life, he was profitable to Paul in the ministry. So you can repent and get back on track from a sin, a mistake, and you can be saved depending on the nature of your sin. And I just want to say this for the practical truth of pastoral ministry. Depending on the nature of sin, the consequences may be more severe. The cost may be higher. You cannot always recover everything that is lost in terms of your reputation or relationships or a place of ministry. I've said this the last couple of weeks or services, but you can be faithful for a day, but you cannot be faithful in a day. But day after day after faithful day, faithfulness is accrued in your life. It's accumulated as you walk with God. For many years here, I think 25 years, um, I've been talking about life is a marathon. It is not a sprint. I've tried to emphasize from day one the importance of longevity, of faithfulness, of dependability of living for God. If life is a race, it is certainly not a sprint. It is a marathon. It's not about the person who shines for a day, but it is about the one who endures to the end. In my young adult years, top performers tended to catch my eye. People who were good at what they did. But as I've grown older, leaders who last have become my heroes. And I feel the same way about saints of God. Saints like the Reavers that I highlighted last Wednesday night. That they lead as examples of faithfulness. I thank God that we are surrounded in our local church by hundreds of faithful people. They may not be fancy in their walk with God. They're, they're probably not. They're certainly not famous, but they are faithful. You are faithful. Bible reading, praying, walking with God, faithful to church, tithing, ministry-minded. This, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching as a guest, this is a faithful church. And I can tell you that by the quality of our people but I can also quantify it by the giving, by the ministry, by the 349 volunteers, by the faithfulness of the people of this church. I, I received an email recently uh, from Brother Rick Nixon. Uh, Rick and Pam Nixon are faithful members of our church. They've been involved in ministry since before I became pastor here. Brother Rick Nixon is a member of our board of trustees. Recently on June 24th, this year, his father passed away, Hubert Nixon, at the age of 88. He would have turned 89 on September 24th. At his funeral, all of his children wrote tributes to their faithful father. Brother Nixon shared his tribute that he had written just in a personal email to me. And as I was preparing for this message, I thought it might be good to share the tribute of Hubert Nixon and Brother Nixon, Rick Nixon, was kind enough to give me permission. A tribute to Daddy, a final thank you. Outside of knowing God, he wrote, 
There is no greater influence, no greater benefit, no greater blessing than having a faithful father figure in your life. Much of the trouble and social problems in our world today can be attributed to the lack of a faithful father figure in the lives of far too many. But for me, Brother Rick Nixon said, and my siblings, we were so, so blessed to have a dad who was a consistent, faithful example to all of us. So, Daddy, here is my final thank you note. First of all, thank you for your service to our country. There is a picture of the flag-draped casket of Brother Hubert Nixon at his funeral. Rick said, as just a teenager, you willingly served in the U.S. Army and endured unspeakable danger, hardship, and sacrifice on the front lines of the Korean War. Thank you for showing Gary and I how to be real men. Our world needs more godly men like you. Thank you for showing me how to be faithful to my family, how to be faithful to my wife, faithful to my children and grandchildren. Thank you for showing me how to work hard and to be a faithful provider. Thank you for showing me the value of a dollar and how to be wise and frugal with my finances. You and mother can make a dollar go further than anyone I know. And although you were a very hard worker and very faithful to your job, thank you for consistently taking time off for our yearly vacations. You knew how to work but you also knew how to balance that with times of fun and adventure. I have so many great memories of our vacations. To this day, we still have a love for traveling and seeing new places. Thank you, Rick says to his dad, for showing me how to be faithful to church and making it a priority in my life. Thank you for showing me how to be a giver. Your faithfulness to giving in your local church and in missions all over the world through the years has been amazing. And I might pause to add that a family member who is a pastor in Louisiana just told me a general conference more than once when I would run into him how uh, Hubert Nixon and his wife were faithful, generous givers to missions and had a special place in their home to honor missions. The end of this tribute, most of all, thank you for your unwavering faithfulness to God and His kingdom. I promise you, Daddy, that I will do my best to follow in your footsteps and also be faithful to God until my last breath, just like you. So that I can see you again someday. I love you, Ricky. People like Hubert Nixon did not live for the applause of man. They lived their lives unto God. They played to an audience of one. And seldom do we get to hear a tribute of what we might call an ordinary saint in a local church, here or there. But I want to pay tribute to every unnamed, unknown, faithful man or woman who has been faithful to God. Your dependability makes all the difference in the world. Faithfulness, dependability, they're really synonymous terms. So I'm sticking with this idea of dependability because through the years at our annual uh, volunteer meetings, employees, I talk about dependability. I repeat this definition most every year. Dependability is fulfilling what I agreed to do, even though it requires unexpected 
sacrifice. I want you to think about this and look at it carefully. I'll read it again. Dependability is fulfilling what I agreed to do even though it requires unexpected sacrifice. What does this mean? It means that your word is your bond. It means that you can be counted on no matter what it takes to fulfill a commitment or responsibility. Dependable people do what they say they will do even when it becomes difficult, even when it requires unexpected sacrifice. To be dependable means to be there, to be on time, and to be prepared. Being dependable means that when possible, you have a backup plan if things go wrong. There's a sacrificial element to this idea of dependability, this working definition that we have in our local church that I learned many years ago from a speaker. When you make an agreement with someone, just be prepared to go the extra mile to keep your word. Even though it requires unexpected sacrifice, and I can honestly say that most of the time I've made a commitment, it has required unexpected sacrifice. I didn't know what it would cost really to keep my word, but it cost. It is not cheap to be dependable. Dependability is fulfilling what I agreed to do, even though it requires unexpected sacrifice. The opposite of dependability is inconsistency or being undependable. Inconsistent people are unfaithful. You cannot count on them to keep their word. They may say something to you, but it doesn't mean much because you don't know if they're really going to come through for you or not. You cannot count on them to serve where they're committed. You cannot count on them to give what they've pledged. They might have a valid excuse. That does not make them a person who is unfaithful or undependable. But listen, when you have a habit of making excuses more than you do of being dependable, you're just not faithful. Now I've got a really nice, friendly, warm and fuzzy message tonight. But this little segment is about unfaithfulness. And I'm just going to tell you, if you can't be counted on, if you don't keep your word, you are not faithful to God. You are not dependable. If you give your word, be committed to keeping your word, even though it requires unexpected sacrifice. I forgot. Well, set reminders. Write notes to yourself. Set an alarm. Have someone remind you. And if you mess up, this is an Atlanta West axiom, if you mess up, fess up and make it right. But if you do more messing up than keeping your commitments, regardless of your good intention, you're not faithful. So it's fine to mess up, fess up and make it right. All of us have had to do that at times at our church and our lives and our families. We want to make it here at our church. We want to make it Okay, to make a mistake. Everyone makes mistakes. But to be dependable means that you work on those mistakes. You try to not make the same mistake over and over again. And this is not about human error or making a mistake. It is about keeping your word, keeping your commitment, about being a faithful, dependable person to God. 
Unfaithful people are undependable. They're inconsistent. Proverbs defines unreliable people in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19. I want you to see this verse on the screen. Proverbs 25, 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. I love Proverbs, and someone challenged me, invited me to start reading the book of Proverbs as an older teenager, and I I did. I read it over and over. I read it in various translations. I, I read it with the commentaries I had at the time that were not that deep, but they were helpful. And I tried to memorize certain Proverbs and remember them. And the wise man says that when you have confidence in an unfaithful man, unfaithful person, in a time of trouble, it's like trying to chew on a tooth that is broken. It's like trying to walk on a foot that has been sprained. And just when you need that tooth, just when you need that foot to be there for you, it fails you. Being dependable is so important. And being dependable is not an emotion, it's a decision. It's paying attention. It's being your best when it matters most. It's not being asleep at the wheel. It's making sure that your commitments matter to God and they matter to you and they matter to the people that are trusting you to keep your word. Now, when we're discussing any character trait like dependability, we need to look at the why behind it. Why would we want to be dependable? I know a secular speaker, Simon Sinek, made start with the why famous, but but I wrote this a long time ago, and somebody taught me that why is very important. Why matters? Why would you want to be dependable and faithful to God? Well, spiritually it boils down to this, that we should be dependable because we are accountable. In other words, every one of us will give an account unto God for how we lived our lives, whether we were faithful or not. We answer to someone or more than one person in our lives. There's someone that we answer to, and ultimately we all answer to God. We answer to the people who have authority over us and who also watch for our souls. This really is an aspect of stewardship. The whole idea can be expressed in this biblical word, of stewardship. A steward is someone who has been given charge of another man's property or goods. Stewardship starts with ownership, that we belong to God and we are not our own. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I'd like for you to see these verses. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, these two verses are fundamental to stewardship and to dependability. Clearly, We belong to God. Our time, our talent, our treasure belongs to God. And it really, all of these things are on loan from God. They belong to God. 
we belong to God and He has given us time, He has given us talent, He has given us treasure or money and we are our stewards of these things and it is required of stewards, our text says, that a person be found faithful. You see, as Christians, as believers, we're not free to live according to our own whims or wishes. We are free from sin to serve God. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6.22. We are made free from sin, but when we were freed from sin, we became servants of God. When the Bible teaches principles of accountability to authority figures, we're reminded that ultimately we're doing it unto the Lord. So we may be answerable or accountable to a person or a structure or a system, but all of those things are just simply God's representatives in the earth. I have three examples that I'll mention. We'll not take much time on this. But Colossians 3 speaks of servants obeying their masters in all things. Not just when they're watching, but we are accountable to them knowing that we're doing it as unto the Lord. In Ephesians 5, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. So God ultimately is the one we are accountable to, that we should be dependable to, but there are intermediaries there. It might be a boss at work, a, a husband at home, a pastor at church. In Romans 13, and I preached about this back on July 5th, about you know our answerability to God and to civil authority. But Paul wrote about being subject to governing authorities, that they are the minister of God in our lives. So these are very important things. These human institutions are reflective of God's authority in our lives. But ultimately, we belong to God. We are not our own. And we should glorify God in our body and our spirit that belong to God. Now this is our text. The key verse of our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So we're going to look at this verse. We're going to take a few moments to really drill down into that. It is required, stewards, found, faithful. So as I mentioned, a steward is someone who's been given charge of another person's property. Since we belong to Jesus Christ, dependability is not optional. Paul said that we are required to be faithful. That sounds to me like you don't have a choice of being an unfaithful person. You don't get to be a sprained foot or a broken tooth. You are dependable and we are required of God to do that. Now it kind of rubs a lot of people the wrong way in a society that urges self-expression and independence. But in God's kingdom, which we're a part of, God has a different value system. It is required among stewards that we are found faithful. Paul tells us that dependability is not negotiable. Now, to simply say that we're inconsistent or forgetful will not nullify the demand that God makes that stewards are required to be found faithful. Dependability, I repeat, is a requirement. And 1 Corinthians 4.2 says that we must be found or proven faithful. In the book of Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6, the wise man wrote, Most men will proclaim 
everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. There's a lot of people who talk a really good talk. They'll tell you that they'll be on time for work. They'll tell you they'll give you a good day's work. They tell you they'll be faithful to you as a spouse. They tell you a lot of things. But Solomon said, it's not just really in what you say, it's what you do. In our church, I thank God that we have found a lot of faithful people, but God is looking for dependability. Anyway, people promise you lots of things. Dependable people are promise keepers. Amen. We're required to be found faithful. Now when you say found faithful, that sounds to me like God is looking, Proverbs, a faithful man who can find. So I believe that God looks for dependability. He looks for faithfulness. And there will be a day of reckoning when God will examine all of His stewards, everyone that belongs to Him. And He will require the faithfulness. He will call us into account for how we led our lives. This idea of accountability is clearly depicted and dependability in Matthew chapter 25 in the parable that Jesus told about the talents. Now this is a similar parable to the parable of the pounds that Jesus told in Luke 19. In this parable, and I'm just going to go through this briefly, we won't highlight every verse uh, for the sake of time, but I encourage you to reread. I'm sure you've already read Matthew 25, 14 through 30. But let's review the story. There is a man, he's traveling. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this story. And he calls his own servants, they belong to him. He delivers unto them his goods. Everything he gives them belongs to him. He's investing it in them so that they will invest it and multiply it. But it all belongs to him. He gives to one man five, to another two, to the third man one talent. He goes on a long journey. The man that had five talents doubled them into ten. The man that had two talents doubled them into four. The man that had one talent was very afraid. And he thought that he might lose what had been entrusted to him. So he hid his Lord's money. Verse 18 said he hid his Lord's money. Not his money, it was the Lord's. And after a long time, this man came back, the Lord of those servants, and he reckoned with them. Now this is an important word. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this story. That the Lord is going to come back and he's going to reckon with his servants. I believe that this is a reference. This, this passage could be about national Israel, about Christians in general. But for all of us, there is the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema that I spoke about not too many months ago. The man who had five brought five more. He's got ten now. And he hears, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Five talents is called a few. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The man that had two and doubled it to four comes and presents the four and, and the master tells him basically the same words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Even though they did not have the same assets to begin with, even though they both did well with them, they heard the same words. So it's not about a competition between the five-talent man and the two-talent man. 
It's about your own potential. Now, the man that had one, when he comes face to face with his master, he says, I knew you were a hard man. Now, the Lord never admits to that. You reaped where you haven't sown. You gathered where you haven't strawed. And I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the earth. And here it is. I'm bringing you back. The little bit you gave me, I didn't squander it. I didn't double it. But here it is. Perfect. Just like you gave it to me. Now, don't you know that ministry involves risk? We might call it risk. I don't think there's risk to God. Ministry involves taking what you have and putting it out there. Sometimes you're embarrassed. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes you do better than others. Amen? I know that feeling. I know that feeling too well. But no matter what, you're putting it out there to try to invest and multiply what God has given you. Well, the master doesn't buy it. He said, you could have at least gotten interest on that money. Invest it. Take that one, give it to the man with ten. And then he told this man, you're unprofitable, you're wicked and lazy, and he is cast into outer darkness, which is not where you want to be. So let's just take this apart a little bit. Five, two, one. The New International Commentary says that a talent was a weight. When it refers to money, probably of silver, about 30 kilograms. And if it was silver, a talent of silver would be about 6,000 denarii, the coin of that day. And one denarius was equal to a day's worth of work. So, if a man got a single talent, a normal day laborer, a blue-collar worker in that day, one talent would represent what a laborer would earn in half of a lifetime. No, I never found that before in studying this passage. So when this Lord, this owner went away, he invested a tremendous amount in these men. Even the one talent man had in his possession more than he would earn in half of his lifetime. That was a sacred trust invested in him by his master. Stewards charged with managing another person's goods. So here's the way it works, ladies and gentlemen. We are stewards of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Our time belongs to God. And because it does, we do not squander our time. Because we're stewards who must give an account, we use our time wisely. We redeem the time. We invest our time. We wisely spend our time. And hopefully we don't waste much time. And I do not count time with family, time in recreation, time in rest. That's not wasted time. But meaningless, mindless, numbing down time is a waste of time. You can fill in the blanks of what waste people waste time on, but let's just say a lot of media, right? Our talents belong to God. I may preach about this in the next month or so maybe less than a month. But we should develop our talents to their fullest. We should multiply what God has given us. Five, two, one, whatever it is. We should make the best of what God has invested in our natural and spiritual gifts. Our treasure belongs to God. Specifically, I'm talking about your money. Excuse me. His money. That He is entrusted to you as a steward over something that He Owns. No wonder the Lord would say the tithe is mine. It belongs to the Lord. 
and we should manage, we should guard, we should be good stewards, dependable people over our treasure, and we should live by biblical principles, including saving, spending, not borrowing, lending, Borrowing as little as possible, paying it off as soon as possible. Borrowing is not a sin. It's not just the best practice. And then investing. We have biblical principles for how we handle our money, including giving to the work of God. Now all these servants had something to work with. Five, two, one. No one had zero. And no matter how little you think you are, how insignificant you are, God did not give you nothing. God gave you something. And we must give an account to the Lord. And we're not compared to anyone else. We all have potential for individual success. I can be a success with what God has given me by simply investing it and being dependable with what God has entrusted to me. So we're not compared to anyone else. We're competing against our own potential, not against our brother or our sister. The Lord didn't give anybody something that was beyond their ability. The Bible said it was according to their several, their individual ability. So the Lord knew this guy can handle five, this guy can handle two, this guy can handle one. He did not overburden them. He did not lay a trap for them. So the Lord knows that He's given you what you can do well with, so make the best. And then I've already mentioned this, but every servant had to give an account. The master came and called each servant into account. And this man who was lazy and wicked, the Lord said, really tried to use an excuse that he was afraid. He blamed it on the Lord. Instead of seeing himself in a partnership, he thought it was a trap. God is not trapping you. He's trusting you. He's given you some things to work with, and he's calling you to be dependable. And the punishment, as I mentioned earlier, of this unprofitable servant was outer darkness. It was a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not a hot spot in heaven and it's not a cool rock in hell. It's a place of torment that you do not want to go for being an unfaithful person who is not dependable. Really, the attitude of these servants made all the difference in the world. The one who saw themselves as in a partnership with God went out with confidence and did great with what God had given them. They were dependable. But this man... This man who did not see God as his ally, but rather his enemy, he really suffered for that. I want to show you Matthew 25, 20. So he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. He saw it as a gift, a partnership, as I've already mentioned. And he says, behold, look. But when the undependable uh, man, the man who was not a good steward, met his master, he said, lo. This is negative, pessimistic. I don't like that person, in case you can't tell. I don't know how you feel about him. The attitude of the unprofitable servant determined the outcome of his life. And we should not be like that unprofitable servant. You see, we need to view God in the proper way. God is working with us to help us be faithful to Him. I want to go all the way to the end of my message. I want to show you the definition, again, of dependability. You see, dependability 
is fulfilling what I agreed to do, even though it requires unexpected sacrifice. Now I'm going to pray in a moment, but, but I want to show you three questions. We're going to display these three questions on the screen. And as I pray at the end and as we play a song, I'd like for you to do some reflecting about these questions and ask yourself and perhaps have a discussion in your home with your family members. Who are, who are my role models of dependability? And why are, they, why are they my role models? What makes that person a role model? For me, it was my parents, my pastor. I, I can name many faithful or dependable role models. But what made them dependable? And then, what are the commitments in my life that require my dependability? I've made a list of them before, starting with my relationship with God, my wife, our children, and ministry commitments, and just listed them because I am a steward of all the things that God has trusted me. I don't know how many talents I have, how many God gave me, but I can tell you this, He didn't overburden me and I am a steward of everything that God has entrusted to me. So I just want to let you know how this is going to go tonight. After I pray, we're going to start a song. You're going to see the questions. You can pray. You can talk. You can take a snapshot or a screenshot of these questions. And you can think about them. But I want to encourage you to be dependable and a steward that will give an account to God. Next week, Lord willing... I'll drill down into this topic even more. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I want to thank you for being faithful to us. You made a covenant with night and day. You control the events of world history. You've allowed us to be in a partnership with you. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would establish your faithful nature in me. As I read at the beginning of my message, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen and establish and settle me, Lord. Help me be perfected as a child of God. I pray, Lord, that you would help me be dependable to you, to the people who look to me as husband, my wife as her husband, my boys and their families as a father and a grandfather. The people who look to me in this local church as a servant of God, a pastor, Lord. The people in our district and ministers, Lord, who trusted me. I pray, Lord, that you would not help me not be like that man that Ezekiel spoke about, Lord. The potential of living your life and then coming to the end and undoing, unraveling everything that you built with your life by acts of unfaithfulness to die in sin. Lord, your word says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. I pray, Lord, that you would help me be faithful to you every day of my life, every step of the journey of life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.